0: Hi, Juliet, the real Rabbi, nyc.com. Check out my website, yeah um, Welcome and Shabbat Shalom, it is upon us Today I'm going to talk about weddings, fringes, assumptions that we make and the Parsha Shlach lecha, which I, if you listened last week, you know that I messed up and like did it too early so I'm kind of splitting it Um, between last week and this week. So this is the the second half of it. Um, But first I want to tell you that I officiated at a wedding late Saturday afternoon and it went beautifully. Thank you very much. But during the weeks prior, a lot of thought and discussion went into the clothing I should wear. Was it okay, for example, for a female rabbi to wear a masculine looking suit with pants and Doc Martens? If you don't know what Doc Martens are, check them out. These were a little bit more, these were what, like a, a cream color. They look really, anyway, and it's a linen suit. It's a double-breasted linen suit, really cool. Um, and the question that a friend brought up was, might some people be offended or think it improper for me to not to wear a dress, um, especially when I go to do weddings in more conservative parts of the U.S., outside of New York City, like down south. Because I'm, um, I'm I'm going to be doing a wedding down in South Carolina in the fall, but um, this one that I did on Saturday night, it was Saturday afternoon. I did it um, in New York City, and that's in, that that was yeah okay. I'll talk about that later. Anyway, on the other side of this argument about, you know, like people being offended or whatever, and what what people's expectations of me were, um, was is this internalized misogyny like why is there so much talk about women's clothing when women find themselves not by accident in a place of authority you know we've worked towards that and now we're in that place of authority and yet people are as we know in politics from politics um, and the media so much talk about the clothing that women wear nobody ever comments on men's clothing and yes there's You know, men don't have as much, they don't have as much, uh, you know, flexibility and sad for them. But, you know, still like, do you have to pay so much attention to to everything that a woman is wearing? You know, why focus on that instead of her message? And and the other question for me was, you know, in answer to this person, other than perhaps internalized misogyny, is... Haven't I already entered into a traditionally male field as it is? I mean, how long have women been rabbis in the last 50 to 100 years, right? It's pretty new, even though there, there are, it's a pretty amazing. There are plenty of little boys and girls growing up in a world where they've only seen female rabbis and because they overwhelm the reform world, which is really interesting. But still, when we think of rabbi, most people think of a man. And, and what are the rules in this very rapidly changing world? On a podcast this week, I heard a black Jewish Orthodox man comment that he'd been given permission to carry ID on Shabbat by his rabbi. This is something that is usur, it's, it's normally forbidden in the Jewish Orthodox world. According to Jewish law, you're not supposed to carry things unless you have um, Unless you live in a place where there's an eruv, which is like a line they put up this line around the um, So that people can carry they can push strollers stuff like that. Like it's a big deal in the Orthodox world It's talked about a lot um, so very logical and happily that this rabbi should have the sensitivity to understand how dangerous it is for, for a black man in the U.S. to walk around without an ID. There's been, and also in my home, there's also been so much discussion around what it's like for Jews of color. My daughter, my daughters who both, I, I don't know if my older one actually identifies as a Jew of color, but they both, the younger one definitely says that of herself and and they both feel very connected to their Latino roots. And, and the question is, you know, are they welcome in most Jewish spaces? How welcome do they feel? What assumptions do people made, make about them? Uh, my younger daughter, especially, she hangs out in very um, um, egalitarian, but hal- they call themselves halachic egalitarians. So spaces that where women and men have equal roles of leadership, there's no there's no for uh, uh, um there's no nothing against hearing women's voices in their spaces and having women lead services they have just as much authority as men um but they follow jewish law and and there's there's a there's an assumption made even about the like how rigid what what law is. People often talk about the halakha, whereas in reality there's no the halakha. Jews do what Jews Jews Jewish law forms and changes according to what Jews do in their where they live. So if Jews are doing it, then it's Jewish and then you know laws will, will will form around that, according to the community. So that's also a thing like, this is not a thing written in stone, not like the 10 commandments <laughs> written in stone. So my younger daughter, uh, moving on, she went to a concert last night in Brooklyn and someone made an assumption about her. She was drinking a Modelo beer. And if you know, that's a Mexican beer. And this guy standing next to her, standing near to her, he leans in and he says, Isn't that a little ghetto? And I guess he thought it was flirting. Yuck. Uh, She looked at him and she said, that it's not okay to say that. And he replied, yeah, that's why I looked around first. And she just was so angry. And she was like on so many levels, this infuriated him, her. And she told him so you do not want to be that guy, I'm sure. And he just looked at her and, you know, I was like, well, what did he say? And she was like, he didn't know what to say. You know, she's like, that's racist. That's classist. And he was also making an assumption about her that she was purely an Ashkenazi Jew, which she's not. So he could, like, her father could have been Mexican, but it doesn't matter. Like to call a Mexican beer ghetto, like that's poor people's beer, Mm, you know. Not okay. I also went to a concert last night, um, but this one was in Central Park. New York Sings Yiddish. How privileged I am to live in New York City and to have access to things like this and free things like this. And while I was there, I mean, there was all this nostalgia and everything. And, you know, it's a lot of older Jews, but there's also young and mostly very secular Jews um, the kind of Jews that I grew up with. And it made me think a lot about my mother and it made me kind of sad. And, and I mean, I love, I love the Yiddish. I love the, the, this culture. This is what I come from. This is what I grew up with. You know, I don't speak Yiddish. I don't understand it much, but I, but I, it's just, it's what I grew up with. And while I was there looking around, like, This friend that I went with, she said, "Oh, she's like, oh, it feels so, you know, I like that most people, you know, there's everybody's Jewish here." And I didn't answer her because I was actually thinking, like, don't make that assumption. Everybody's not Jewish here. And what if, and maybe, and then I looked around and I was like, there were some people of color, and I was thinking, well, are they Jewish or not? Like, I don't know. We can't. Maybe they're just interested in Jewish in Yiddish culture. Maybe they're interested in. Yiddish songs, you know, Yiddish music, um, klezmer, the klezmatics were there. And, And I also wondered like, how do the Jews of color feel in this overwhelmingly Ashkenazi space? Because it was. How many assumptions were made about these Jews, whether they were Jews by choice or not? And so all this talk of clothing and of rules, of law, of societal expectations, of Jewish law, Um, it's swirling around in my head as I'm thinking of the last paragraph of this week's Parsha of Shlach in which um, and it happens to be my favorite paragraph I read it for my bas mitzvah and it was like nine years ago or whatever that was Um, it was the first thing that I connected to on a spiritual level was wearing a talis a prayer shawl with with, you know, the, the fringes and collecting those fringes as you say, the Shema, the, 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 the prayer of uh, declaring the oneness of God. So, I'm having all these thoughts and I'm reading this paragraph and it tells us to wear the fringes on, wear fringes on the corners of our garments. And why does it say that? It's to remind us of God's presence that we should always remember the commandments and perform them, that we should not follow where our heart or our eyes lead us. That's going to lead us off the path. And if we follow all of God's commandments, we shall be holy. This is what it says. In this very rapidly changing world, what do these commandments mean? What? What are the commandments? Does a black man really need his rabbi's permission to act in a way that could potentially save his own life despite a commandment? The commandment not to carry? Like is he, does he really need to go to his rabbi? There's also a law saying that saving someone's life takes precedence over any commandment. What if that his white Ashkenazi rabbi, and I'm making an assumption here that he's a white Ashkenazi rabbi, um, but I think it's probably a fair assumption. What if his white Ashkenazi rabbi, let's just assume that he is, okay, didn't understand the danger. What if he said to him, no, what if this black man felt like, oh my God, he's torn between having to make a decision to protect his own life. Or to follow these commandments. And what about commandments? that? What about the fact that later rabbis, they kind of surmised them from the Torah, from things that are said in the Torah, that, but that are not specifically spelled out in the Torah. The rabbi said, oh, it says here, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't, okay, here's a great example. Don't boil a kid in its mother's milk. Interesting commandment. Who the hell does that, right? Who Who does that? So what do the rabbis do? They sit around and they're like, what, is the, what does God mean by this? What does the Torah mean by this? Oh, okay, let's not mix milk and meat in the same meal. That's what this commandment needs. And as a, as a result, all these laws come out of, out of this one little commandment, right? And it gets more and more and more complex. What if we don't follow that? What if we say, oh, but what if that's not what I mean? Like, what if we just take it literally and say, I'm not going to I'm not going to. I will never. I promise you, I will never boil a kid in its mother's milk. And that's and and we're done. What if we're just what if we just decide that? What if what if the rabbis had decided that? You know, am I not following halacha if I don't follow all the dietary laws, you know, as spelled out by the rabbis that the rabbis tacked on to what was written in the Torah about separate dishes and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, it gets so complicated. This brings me to the idea that Judaism is a religion that teaches that we all have direct access to God. We don't need an intermediary it's egalitarian in that way we don't need a priest to speak for us yes we do in the Torah we have priests that 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 are intermediaries but this is not this is not the the this is not the general understanding not in today's world the way it is in Christianity with Catholicism especially so At the same time though we often give ourselves, in spite of this, we often give ourselves over to authority figures to make decisions of common sense for us. And I understand because rules make us feel safe in this unstable world. Laws can actually keep us safe, it's true. Laws in general, we have laws in our country, seatbelt laws, all kinds of laws, they keep us safe. But in today's world do we need authority to give us permission to welcome others into our community. At this Yiddish sing-along concert last night, I felt this wave of sadness come over me as I looked around me, because yeah, there's this nostalgia, like I said before, for a world gone by, and I thought of my mother and how she would have loved this. And I also think it's really beautiful that there are people actively keeping Yiddish culture alive. But in that culture, what I, what I was in last night, which is where I come from, of secular Jews, so many of these people were from this bygone era. There are so many assumptions made that don't take Jews of other types into account, Jews who are not white Ashkenazi. In the end, for the wedding... I wore my double-breasted black linen suit and my cream-colored Doc Martens to the wedding. You can find it on my Instagram, Juliet the Real Rabbi NYC, something like that. I can't remember what what my handle is even. <laughs> and I draped my tallest with its fringes over my shoulders. You can see that on my Instagram. And I felt like I was, I felt, and I felt like an authority figure. And I felt like I was treated as one. And on the contrary to offending anyone, I got compliments. Brother-in-law, he's like, I love your Doc Martens. I need to get me some more of those. The last pair I had was in the 90s. (laughs) And while taking into account that we don't live in a vacuum, I also want to count myself among the leaders of change that allow for more flexibility In, for instance, women's dress code, feeling grounded as a rabbi, as one friend said to me or asked me about is more important than the expectations that others have about how I should dress. I need to feel grounded. I need to feel strong and wearing heels and worrying about stockings or tights and whether my legs are shaven. These things do not make me feel grounded. And also, while while respecting Jewish law, I think trusting ourselves on some issues, on certain issues, is more important than Jewish law. Because very often law, the change in law comes later. We need to be the trailblazers. So, above all, welcoming people, however they come to Judaism, or even if they don't, should go above everything else with an awareness of the assumptions that we make about other people and the classist and racist ideas we have or that we carry in us. And please say amen and share any thoughts you have with me. Um, you can email me, Cruz at gmail.com J U L I E T E L K I N D C R U Z at gmail or you can go to my website realrabbinyc.com you can find the blog you can make a comment below that's so cool when people do that i love that i'll try to remember to check because yeah but if you want to be on my mailing list like please go to my website sign up and you can also make a contribution that would be cool that would be excellent to support this work and have a good shabbos uh a Shabbos of peace and love and inclusion. And until next time. Okay, see you then. Bye.